together, guys, as a team. Always as a team, right? I guess so. I can't imagine doing any of this without any of you. We've been through so much together. We really have. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true, Frankie. Teamwork does make the dream work. (laughs) I can't imagine doing this with any other group of people. And I'm so fortunate to have met all of you and to know you all. Aww. Well, Idafa, from all of the problems that we've had all over these over these few months, I, I feel like my life is richer, not from the magic or from the adventure, but from meeting all of you. Aww. This is... But also the know? magic and the adventure's been pretty But great. also the magic and the adventure is pretty cool, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I, I, I want to protect this. I want to protect you. All of you. Well, I'll be honest, I can look after myself, but thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> is that your way of saying that you care about us too, Idafa? Yes, it's my way of saying I care about <laughs> you guys. Uh... <laughs> I, I wish there was a way that we could protect us, each other, what we have, our friendship, our love. Aww. Oh, Frankie. Oh. Frankie, that's... Frankie, in your hand, the scroll starts to glow and a yellow beam of light shoots from it uh, toward the huge like pile of electrum, this mountain of electrum that is in this room. And from back in the other direction, a, an electric blue lightning bolt shoots back until the yellow and the blue meet each other. And there is a, a shimmer of white light and all of you for a moment are uh, coated in this, this feeling of safety and this feeling of protection of being together. Uh, and then there's a, a blast of, of like electric tingle across the room. Ooh. And when you all open your eyes, no, you're not allowed to laugh at electric tingle. This is a cool moment. <laughs> there is a blast of static electricity that goes across the room and you feel it in your skin and you feel it in your hair and you feel it behind your eyes. And then you open your eyes and the scroll is gone. And so is the electrum. Wait, what the hell happened, guys? Oh, oh. I, I, I didn't do it. <laughs> I think you might have. Did you just make a wish? Yeah, did you say the wish word? Because I feel like if you say the wish word, that's the wish done. I I, I might have said the wish word. Oh, God. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. This 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 feels good. And the wish scroll is gone. Yeah. Party, I want you all to go to your character sheets, and I want you all to add a permanent plus one to your armor class. Woo! That was sick. Hey. Nice. <laughs> As you stand in this empty room, just smelling the leftover presence of Dr. Zergos oh in the room next Ew. door, there's just a bit of blood dripping from the man who once tormented you in this city. Everything's going to be okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank God. <laughs> God, sorry. Kia ora 
everybody, and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janison Breffitts Parchment Company. My name is Penny D, and I'm going to be your dungeon master today. And my go-to snack, I think if I was going to like pick a snack, that's like my my regular. I am a very big like peanut butter on toast person. I think that's like my go-to snack. I like a bit of Vogel's toast, a little nice. bit of butter, and a little nice. bit of like smooth melty peanut butter. I think is probably my like go-to everyday. You're a smooth snack. peanut butter gal. Oh, love smooth Me too. Butter. Yeah, same. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. wow. I'm, a, I'm a crunchy. I can't yeah, do crunchy. I'm crunchy all the way. No, the texture's weird for me. Oh, no. love a crunch. <laughs> love the crunch. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nathan. I play Flimla, the Halfling Bard, and my go-to snack uh, would be either the proper crisp uh, rosemary chips, oh, Ooh, yum, yeah. or any fruit that's in my vicinity because I'm a fruit fiend. <laughs> Actually, you've just made me remember that I have blueberries in the fridge, and now... <laughs> All I want to do is go and get the blueberries from the fridge. Got some bloobs. <laughs> I love when people shorten blueberries to bloobs. I don't know why. I just think it's kind of cute. I've never heard of that. Really? Okay. <laughs> You've introduced us to something new. It's and fresh, that's great. It's I'm going to use it from now on. It's bloobs. It's bloobs. Hi, my name is Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. And I think my kind of go-to snack is anything with pesto. Oh. Yeah. So I used to be allergic to nuts and wasn't allowed pesto because oh. it has like pine nuts in it. Oh. But since I've been able to eat nuts, holy damn, I can't get enough of pesto. Like pesto on a bagel, pesto oh, yeah. on, like on a cracker, pesto it's on pasta. so good. Oh my and god. Like, pe- like, a, like a nice little pesto dip with like some nice chips or something. Heck yeah, pesto's really good. It's so good. So oh, yeah, man, pesto. I'm getting hungry now. I didn't even realize that it was possible to overcome an allergy to nuts. That's um, oh, I yeah. thought that was one of the big ones that was like, hey, I just got to live with this forever. <laughs> Luckily, not for me. My yeah, brother, wow. on the other hand. Yeah, I have heard of that. Because yeah. like, people also develop allergies yeah. randomly through life. So I've heard of people randomly developing nut allergies, but not of like training yourself to not do it anymore. Poppy, you're a miracle baby. <laughs> Miracle. Miracle. <laughs> right. My name is Stephanie and I play Frankie, the human artificer, and your best friend. Yay! My go to snack is a lot like pennies. It would have to be uh, just a basic P, B, and J on white bread cut nice. into triangles. Like four triangles. <laughs> no crust. Now, uh, are we, are we smooth like or crunchy? Are we smooth or crunchy? No, smooth, smooth. I have a weird thing with textures of food. Okay, what about jam? What what kind of fruit jam do you go for when you when you do your J on the side? It's mainly strawberry. Got to be strawberry uh, or blueberry sometimes, but it has to be Ooh. the seedless. I, I I don't like the seeds mm. in it. Uh, again, I am <laughs> neuro spicy. So <laughs> I get that. I get that. I don't, I don't like the the, 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 the mix-ins, but yeah, no. So, and it has to, I like to spread the jam and peanut butter in an even amount across the whole, like, slice. So you don't uh, get any just bread. You get, yes, always yeah. get, always get the, the, la- the, the layers of flavor. Yep, that's the only right. That's the way to do it. Yep, yeah, yeah. Gotta get and the then, flavor layers. Yeah. And then cut into the, 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 the four triangles and not squares. That's so funny. I was always a squares kid. I loved getting the squares. I didn't like the triangles. Yeah, I was always like in half. (laughs) Maximum crust. I would just crush the bread in my hand until it was a small ball and then just eat it in one bite. I love bread balls. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) makes it all doughy. And And then you just wipe the peanut butter on your shirt and you're good to go play. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Throw some rocks at a kid. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Throw some oranges at a car. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Who are your children? <laughs> We're awful little children. And I'm Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I play Karen, the dwarven barbarian who would never throw an orange at a car. Yeah, you would. You'd throw it with such force it would make a dent. <laughs> she would try to impress her kids and she would yeah. break the car and it would be yeah, very okay, embarrassing. You shouldn't do her. this. Oh, 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 I don't do that. Don't do that. But my go-to snack at the moment is my local vegetable store has these packets of seaweed. And oh, I know oh, I know you're supposed to eat them with rice. And I haven't no, no. and it's better. But no. what if you just eat it on your on on its own? Hey, that's what so I what do. Eat it on its own. That's a great healthy snack. Yeah. What if you hold the little plastic container that they come in and lick the sheets out of it one by one like a lizard? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you blim your seaweed sheets? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a good snack. Tell I us just... in the comments. Do you blim your seaweed sheets? <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend I'm a little dinosaur, like I'm just a dinosaur eating. Yeah, and I'm eating eating a leaf. I'm little for eating a tree star. Like <laughs> it's it's the tree star of my dreams. Yes. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ, this isn't a this isn't a snack podcast. This isn't a pretend to be a lizard podcast. It is a D podcast. We're up to episode fifty nine, our eighth Smoko episode. And wow. if I have anything to say about it, the very last Smoko that we're going to do in the city. You have wow. nothing to say about it. Who wants to play? Yeah, I get to. I'm the boss. I get to decide. So this will be the last one. <laughs> Who wants to play some Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. yeah. Only if I could get a snack. <laughs> oh. See what I did there? Brought it back to snacks. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Yumea City, a bustling center of commerce and industry, a place of work and profit, a place where your sweat can be converted to coin, which can be used to buy happiness, love and affection, a place where capital is, above all else, king. There is in this city a humble little building that serves as an office space, a place that boasts in bold letters, Janderson Breffitt's Parchment Company. Hmm. It may not seem like much, but it is the most important place in Matt Zemla, because it is the place that has taken the chance on four funny, flawed, talented, bold individuals. Four such people who sit right now together in the same room, across from the eponymous owner. The dwarf, Karen Stonecutter, requested this meeting as she now needs to honor a promise she made to a powerful wizard. Yes. Their lives are weird. <laughs> Karen Stonecutter was not expecting that the tiefling Idafa Belsa would be part of this meeting, nor that human Francis Reynolds or the halfling Flinvar Onagon would be present. Karen wonders what might be happening, but she perseveres nonetheless. Her employer sits waiting on her word, with two coloured folders sitting in front of him on the oaken desk. Karen, the floor is yours. Well, uh... As HR manager, it grieves me to say that I have made a serious error in my own judgment. I have promised the termination of an employee 
to a man who has intimidated me and shamed me into making this decision. Boo. Idafer, it, it gives me no pleasure to say that in order for the city to remain safe, you must no longer work here. Okay. Do I get like a severance package? Karen, are you telling me you're trying to fire Idafer? Kind of sounds that way. That is what I have been tasked to do for the safety of the city. When you told me that some rather that you'd had made an error in judgment, I was I thought you were here to tell me something entirely different. You see, I'm afraid some rather unpleasant news has come to light. Uh, he hands over the first folder to you. It's a red one with your name on the front. I have received an external report that you hosted an international terrorist for a meeting here in our offices. Karen, you, you open the folder and inside uh, there's a copy of the front desk's sign-in sheet, which has Master Speck's name on it, mm -hmm. uh, and a letter of outrage from a, and I'm using air quotes here, concerned citizen <laughs> uh, asking why managers are hosting such foul and radical people in their conference rooms. <laughs> in the folder, there are also several drawings of you sitting in the conference room with your feet up on the table, laughing maniacally and drinking champagne with Master Speck. Oh. <laughs> mm. This is the uh, criminal who has uh, forced me to make this decision. See, I have already verified that this incident did, in fact, take place, and your admission, your admission is really helpful. I'm not denying that it did not take place. I'm. Luckily, I was able to hire an independent contracted detective, an astonishingly polite tiefling gentleman. Oh that, God, what was his name? I bet I know him as well. Despite his advanced age, he had simply astonishing deduction skills. Advanced age? And who was that, may I ask? His name was um, Mr. Poetry, I think it might have been. Of course it was, of course it was. <laughs> yes, and just another, just another layer to, the, to Master Specs conspiracy. Janison takes off his glasses um, and puts them on the desk uh, and looks at you kind of solemnly, uh, Karen. And he says, uh, I'm afraid this matter is going before the board as it puts our entire company in jeopardy. Karen, you have normally shown such sound judgment working here. I'm, I must ask what you have to say for yourself. Mr. Breffitts, I quit. <gasps> oh, God. No way. But she has a family to support. I cannot in good faith continue working here. I cannot in good faith continue to bring danger to this company full of normal people living normal lives. <laughs> this company was the one who introduced me to an abnormal life in the first place. And yet I feel responsible for bringing that abnormality into the workplace. And I cannot in good faith continue to work here. So I quit. Janison kind of looks at you uh, for a little while before um, pulling something out of his desk. It's like a little fidgety thing. He's like playing with it with his hands. And he, he says to you, Well, I'm afraid that should you decide to stay, I simply must remove the plant from your desk and turn it to face away from the window. But that's all I was really going to say. Oh, I also have to demote you from to be not, no longer the head of the away team initiative. There's no need to quit if you if you still want to support your family here. I I can't keep working here, Janderson. There was a terrorist in the office. He made me fire Idafer, and I agreed to that. 
because I was scared. Calm down, Karen. We're fine. How can I be an HR manager if I can't even take care of the staff here? It's not fair to you, Jadison. It's not fair to me. And it's not fair to any of the staff here. I quit. I'm sorry. She's got a point. It's... Uh, thank you, Frankie, for supporting my decision. Mm. I believe I would like to leave. <sighs> Karen, I'm very sorry to see you go. I accept your resignation. Thank you. And for the time being, uh, Mr. Belser. Uh, yeah? In recognition of your exemplary leadership that you've shown here, uh... And to meet our corporate diversity requirements, I'm promoting you temporarily to be the head of the away team no, initiative. No, you can't. Uh, sorry, diversity? Diversity hire. He has to leave the company or something terrible is going to happen. What is going to happen, Karen? Master Spec's going to do something terrible. <gasps> no, he'll be fine. I can't tell you what it is, but if you quit, if you leave the company, nothing will happen. But if you stay here... Everything's going to get worse and it's going to be his fault. And it's my, it's going to be my fault because I couldn't stop him. Okay, firstly, Karen, you probably need to sit down for a little bit. <laughs> uh, secondly, did he actually say what he's going to do or... I can't tell you that. Okay. I can't tell you that. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to Idafer. Yeah, no, I'm... I'll, we'll be fine. I said that too, Frankie. <laughs> But obviously Master Spec saw me as the weak link and he was able to push my buttons and he was able to manipulate me into doing exactly what he wanted me to do. No. That Master Spec. Master Spec. He's not a good person, but... As a matter of fact, I am going to need all of you out of the city for a little while. Uh, and if you want to, Idafer, in your new position as away team head i will allow you to hire an independent contractor to attend so that you still have four people and he hands you the other colored folder from his desk uh it's a yellow one with the words black moon bay incident report on the front okay your first task in this position is to resolve the resource crisis that has befallen us at our supply base uh you will leave this week and like i said you can hire an extra to go with you if that is something that you would like. Uh, cool. All right. Thank you. And he starts to, like, flip through the the folder. Well, I believe, uh, I believe that's that for me. Oh. I will, uh, go and pack up my desk. Here it is. Have a very good rest of your day at work, everyone. And Karen leaves the room. No. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Flynn. Yes. How are you handling the last adventure and the big shift in the timelines and all those like memories? Have you made any changes in your life in the last couple of days? I think Flynn's on been a little bit of the journey of reconciliation. I think he's figured out that this timeline's pretty great with how his parents are and he's thinking a lot maybe about the relationships in his life, especially between his uh, parents and himself and how he both holds them close but also pushes them distance and how he was struggling not to be defined by his father but then also he's kind of come into himself a little bit like I'm my own little man my own little halfling <laughs> and you can have your own relationship with your parents now yeah yeah 
So are you still like living at their at their estate, or are you have you are you moving, or like what's what's the change that you're making? Oh no, he's still staying there. <laughs> <laughs> Your rent in the North District is no, no way, no way. <laughs> this economy, Jesus, it's got a pull. <laughs> and this economy. <laughs> I think some of the changes he's made is in terms of reaching out. So he's been having moments with both his parents, and just also he saw. You know, he saw Cassie die right on the other timeline, so yeah, it really got him thinking. Yeah, it's a rare, clear, brisk day in Ymir City today. The bite of winter is starting to soften as we're starting to transition into spring. Flynn and Cassie are walking through the park together. What are you talking about? So first, we're just discussing uh, catching up. Flynn's just quietly enjoying listening to Cassie as she updates him on her her uh, detective. Yeah. So Cassie, as she walks, she's brushing her fingers lightly through the tall leaves, and she suddenly stops, and she says, Flynnvar, I was, I was wondering, have you ever thought about our friendship as being more than just friends? <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Cassie, um, <laughs> yeah, um, so I, wow. I did for for a while, but I think perhaps that moment has passed. I'm a real detective now. I have a purpose, and I'm not lonely anymore. Oh, I don't think that's who either of us were meant to be. Um, and she bends down and she picks some flowers, just some wildflowers from the grass, and she puts one delicately in her hair. She's thinking very hard, and she's still, like, crouched down, so she's kind of at your level. Like, you don't really even come up to her knees. So she's, like, really kneeled down, and she says, Isn't it funny? We spend all this time thinking and planning about the the person that we think we're supposed to be. And you can get there and realize that it actually isn't you at all. Cassie, you're so amazing. I, I was so worried that... Uh, our friendship would end and I didn't want to hurt your feelings because I think you're amazing and so, so clever and determined and I wish I could be just like you. I mean, I wish I could also reach the top of the trees as well. That would look pretty cute. <laughs> but I just, oh, I'm so thankful to have you as a friend. You're, you're one of my closest friends outside of um, work. No, that's outside of work. That's terrible. You're one of my closest don't friends. Say don't say that. my very close friend group. and. I enjoy every moment with you, and I'm so thankful to have you in my life. You're pretty freaking cool. She smiles, kind of sadly a little bit, and she stands back up, and she's clearly been thinking a lot about stuff she wanted to talk to you about. Because she continues on, she says, we can, we can try to change, and we could try to be something else, but in the end, you'll become who you are. Do you think that means that we don't, really have autonomy? Jeez Louise. Oof, it's a heavy one. I think behind every strong, determined Cassie, there's an ever stronger, determined woman. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, say it, Flynn. Cassie, I think we can buy into the fact that fate is laid out for us, or society puts us in... in in places that it wants us to be because it, it fits. But, I mean, 
there's any which way that our lives could end up. I could be a chaotic, evil, evil man. I could have been, t- been tall, been born tall. But I think I found over some really intense work PLD that we make our own micro choices each day. We can choose to push really hard against who we think that the world wants us to be and accidentally go in the wrong direction. Or we can embrace who we are and trust who you are and make those small decisions to go the way that you you feel is right and you want to go. I spent a long time fighting against who the man my dad told me I'd be. And I think that made me go a little bit off skewed. I was focused on building my own success, but that was me also just still again trying to build my dad's shoes. Heck, this first week is the first week I've actually said dad instead of my father, I think. I put him on a pedestal and at the same time was trying to reach that pedestal because I thought that's what he wanted. But if I was if I was a father, if I was a dad, I would just want my my kid to succeed in the way that felt right. And I think I'm finding I'm finding that through watching and being around others, but also I've really been not making heaps of sales and I'm I am <laughs> the happiest I've ever been. Just being myself, doing what I can to help my friends. I did not expect to go that way. <laughs> and, and I can see you doing this for yourself too. You're finding your own way, defining the odds just by being you. I think we all have little moments of that that define who we are and where we go. And I think that's our autonomy. Aww. As you're talking, you carry on walking through the park and Cassie's doing something she doesn't normally do, which is choosing where you go. Like she chooses where you turn. And as you, as you're walking and talking and having this discussion, you realize that she's leading you somewhere. (laughs) She smiles and nods and seems to take in what you're saying. And at, you know, the right moments, you know, says, Hmm. And, Oh, and you know, reacts to what you're saying. (sighs) And she, she comes to a stop and she smiles kind of sadly at you. And she says, there are some things that you can choose about yourself and there are some things that you can't. Hmm. So Flint, do you choose to be a person who does the right thing? Or is that just who you are? And she's looking past you and you turn to meet her gaze and you can see that you've arrived at the Yumea City Cemetery. And from here, through the gate, you can see a, a blonde man sitting hunched over in front of a very clean, fresh looking tombstone. Oh, Roll me a perception check. Gosh. What did she do? No. No, I don't get this. What did we do? I got it. Whoops. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) This is the episode where I try to make you guys cry. Oh my god. (laughs) Good luck. No, don't try. (laughs) A 17. Yeah. It appears to be that blonde man. That's Captain Cherish. He's sitting quietly morning you remember the night that you were abducted the night that thanks to the wish that you made never happened cherish told you that his sister was killed by bobby that night at ace alley she was the human woman that was killed and that you didn't save her even though you could have oh my god (laughs) cassie looks sadly over at him and then back to you and she says 
One thing I learned from a very good friend of mine. It's never wrong to choose to make the world a slightly better place. Mm. Flynn, what do you do? So you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just standing there shocked. And he's got a little tear glistening in the eyes. And like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. I want to go over to them, I think. But is that rude? Are they having their own moment? Are they, what would I say? She's also got a tear in her eye and she smiles and she like gives you a, a slight nudge towards the gate, but because she's huge and you're tiny, it's like a shove <laughs> towards the gate. Like pushes you like four full paces forward and just waits, just, just waits behind you. She's clearly brought you here for a reason. Flynn's like, he's kind of wringing his hand and he's pacing a little bit, like shuffle pacing, but then he, he puts his hand behind him back and he stands uh, tall, kind of a little bit to attention. Um, and he politely makes his way up to him. Cher sees you coming, but the rage that you saw is just gone. He's limp, he's untidy, his, his hair's unkempt. The fight's gone from him. As you approach, he just asks you, is there someone that you miss, Onagon? Is someone that we missed. And a part of me went with her while I was holding onto that ladder, knowing that we had to make a, a tough choice that would affect loved ones. And... I think each time I've been fighting, doing good in the world, I think I've been carrying a little hole that I'm trying to fill for the people that we couldn't save or won't be able to save. Well, maybe come sit with me for a while. I'll tell you about hope. And maybe you can tell me about them. Oh. I would cherish that hmm. stop that mister fuck <laughs> <laughs> out of here you sit and to your right Cassie sits and together the three of you stare at the head zone of Hope Cherish Cassie reaches down and holds your tiny hand between her thumb and forefinger and the two of you just listen and talk and for a moment the ones that you miss and the ones that you couldn't save and the ones that you won't be able to save are right here with you Aww. Flynn you've leveled up <laughs> yay, yay. yay. <laughs> uh, your charisma goes up because you managed to navigate interrupting someone mourning <laughs> tell me about your level up Flynn so this is the ability score um, level up and Penny kindly gave us the uh, opportunity to choose a feat but I got so busy I was reading all the feats and I couldn't decide between five that I liked so I was like let's just bump my charisma because your boy needs it hey this is level 12 which I'm pretty sure for all of us is going to be an ability score increase so you've you've moved your charisma what's your charisma score now so it's now 20 so I get a plus wow. five mod which is because nice. I mean finally nice. um my spell attack bonus thingy and stuff went up <laughs> I felt <laughs> quite quite low every time I attack. I haven't done very well with my spells, but that's all right. 
I'm not a good attacking one. Flynn, you've got, obviously, with your charisma going up, your spell attack bonus goes up, as well as your saving throw. Yes. So we'll also have gone up, so we'll calculate those later. Um, there's also one other uh, buff that you can have, um, which is your uh, your amulet weapons. Ooh. Uh, so you have a few, uh, and now plus two weapons. So your laughing blade now does, uh, instead of plus one, it now does plus two on hit, and also plus two uh, damage instead of plus one as well. So you can go ahead um, and edit that to become a plus two weapon. Yay, thank you. Karen. Yeah. Are you are you frightened after that one? Are you worried? <laughs> <laughs> I'm frightened. No, that was a good one. I liked it a lot. Karen, before we start, how are you handling the overlapping memories? You have something that Flynn doesn't have, which is two sets of memories from the last 18 months. How are you handling the the, the extra memories that come with the altered timeline? I think Karen has gotten a lot more stressed. <laughs> like she could have. Yeah, she's a lot more stressed out about potentialities now. Oh dear. Previously, she kind of was like, the decision I make is the correct decision, right? But now she she's has seen she's, she's seen that there are many decisions that she could make and they're not always the right ones. And sometimes they can have huge impacts on the world and she's feeling anxiety about that, definitely. But also she's kind of... She feels more comp- competent as a... She's seen, she's seen that she can do stuff that she previously didn't think that she could do. And that's kind of what she's been doing this whole time, is doing things that she couldn't previously do. But now she remembers a time when she ran the whole company and she was managing the uh, Dwarven Insurgency. And she was good at it. And it was... She, she achieved what she set out to do with that kind of thing. So she's more anxious, but she's also more confident about her ability to do new things. Hmm. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for telling me about that. Oh. It'll be interesting to see how you play that. <laughs> Karen, it's only two days since you were last here. You're underground, back in Zergos's lair, and you're standing and watching as the large iron cube is slowly hoisted. Underneath of it, you can see a pair of feet, patiently waiting for it to rise high enough to pass under safely. <laughs> The cube gets to about four and a half feet, revealing the smirking face of your baby sister. (laughs) Now dressed in a sleeveless vest, depicting a crest you're not familiar with, and sturdy, practical mining pants and boots. She's also changed her beard to the double braids that look a lot like yours, Karen. (laughs) And she, she smiles at you as you come into view and she says, well, isn't this a little bit convenient? Welcome to Ymir City. Little sister, it's so good to see you again. It's quite nice I don't have to take the long way. And she like jabs a thumb behind her and you can now see that the uh, the white door that leads to the room of doors is now accessible. These doors are really going to pay dividends for uh, transportation, aren't they? I'll say. That's a 10 minute walk now as opposed to like a two week mission to get over here. 
let's not talk about business right now. Come here. <laughs> and she's going to pull Alicast into a big hug. Given as strong as you are now, I don't think she could resist if she wanted to. Yes. <laughs> she smiles and hugs you back tightly. And she tells you that she actually has a meeting with the holy servants over at the palace. Oh, and oh. she wants to know what she should expect from them. Well, let's walk and talk, shall we? Yeah, uh, uh, it kind of smells a bit funky in here. Where exactly in the city is this? Because I thought it would smell bad, but not this bad. <laughs> it's, it is in the sewers. Uh, so that oh, is fun. the downside of a magical portal that will connect our two nations and, you know, drive commerce between us. Uh, but it is in the sewers. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Let's get out of here. She <laughs> smiles and lets you lead the way. And so you leave. Mm -hmm. She's having a little bit of a nosy around. Um, obviously, there's a few interesting things here in the lair. But she mm. lets you lead. Um, and as you walk through the... Now now you've you've come up with like the shortest possible route uh, to get out of the sewers without wandering around in the tunnels and the smell for so long. Karen is kind of... Uh, as she's showing Alicast around, she's kind of going... And... This is probably somewhere where we'd have to set up maybe an elevator or some kind of automatic system to get the products up this area. But over here, we could just use a simple uh, track. So just tracking it all the way through. And at the top of the, of the, of the tunnel, um, we're thinking of putting in a, a big warehouse area. And she's just going on and on about this. She's just smiling at you. And she... <laughs> Like, you know, I think my guys might be able to help out with some of this. Uh, obviously, there's an elevator over at Asus's that we've taken over, so we might be able to use the same thing around here. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is, I, I feel that this is going to be a very good collaboration between the hives and, 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 and here. Uh, speaking of here, your, uh, your friends over at the palace, the uh, administrator yes. and uh, the other one, they want to talk to me. What should I expect from that? Well, I suppose it depends on what they want to talk to you about. Is they this... seem pretty cross about all the electrum that we're digging up. Oh, <laughs> yes, they would be. They would be. So the thing is, is it is illegal to use magic within the city. And uh, up until very recently, it was kind of expected that magic just didn't really happen outside the city either, even though, of course, there's not a lot of... Uh, legal repercussions for people outside of the city. So I think they're probably quite mad about uh, the legal system at the moment. That's all right. I'll talk to him. I've got Nephilim <laughs> behind me, so I think we'll be Fantastic. okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Hey, you seemed, uh, you seemed uh, pretty stressed out about that, that story you told me. The, the, the wish thing? Tell me, oh. uh, tell me about what happened there. Oh, gosh. I mean... Well, it was... It was very strange. It almost feels like a dream now, but there was a timeline where everything had gone wrong. Mm, and yeah, your message was pretty, pretty full on. I hope you're yeah. okay. But well, uh, there was something I wanted to ask you about it, because something doesn't make sense to me. Uh, sure, of course. Why was there no Electrum in the other timeline? It only, you said it only diverged 18 months ago, right? Yeah. So where's all the Electrum? Well, I don't know. Uh, all the magic seemed to come from uh, Avernus, um, the Hells. It was, it was, it was demonic magic. I, I felt it in, in myself when I raged. It was overpowering. It was exhilarating, scary. 
That's pretty I, interesting because Asus was doing his thing for years. And yeah, so... no, I agree. Uh, he was, he's he was. I I didn't see any uh, evidence of the experimentation on the tieflings. I didn't see any evidence of blue electrum. I I honestly I couldn't tell you. It's it, it is a strange one. That's pretty odd. Maybe maybe marvelous has some answers. Well, hopefully your uh, local smarty pants will be able to figure something out. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> but you know what? You could probably distract a lot of the uh, angels by asking them that very question. All right. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. You could probably, you could probably distract a lot of them. And I think that might be good. If, if they ever start getting on you about the, the legal aspects, just, just ask them about that. And they'll get distracted pretty immediately. I think I might. Uh, Romeo, Romeo, inside check. Oh, that's a nine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, you can see that she like she's like watching you and like mimicking you, but you don't like you don't know why. Weird. Like, as as you're walking, she's like trying to copy your body language. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Are you nervous they're going to think you're a bit of a country bumpkin? Uh, okay, you you caught me. Okay, don't <laughs> laugh. Don't laugh. I. I've been struggling a little bit with the responsibility of being a clan leader. I know a lot about Electrum, I know a lot about mining, and I know a lot about the systems, but not as much about the politics. Right, yes. Being in, being in charge of people. You know, Ma, Ma was bad at it. Mm. My old foreman was bad at it. Mm. I've only really ever seen it done well once. I mean, Asus definitely wasn't any good at it either. She punches you so hard. <laughs> She's like, no, idiot, you. Asus was the worst at it. <laughs> Me? Elikas, you can't be serious. Hey. I was a dwarven princess and I ran away from responsibility. What? I'm floundering here. I'm on a boat without a paddle. I'm, I'm struggling in the dark. I... Do you want to know what I've learned from just watching you? I mean, I guess. I've learned that I'm putting my clan's health and happiness first. I'm learning that I'm making sure that I'm the first one that shit can fall down on. I'm the one who stood up to Nephilim because my guys needed it. Because that's what I know that you would do. Yeah. That's... yes. That's being a good leader, not all that other shite. <laughs> and you are a good leader, Alakas. You... Uh, it does It's not about fancy words or... Uh, you know going to high society parties or uppity language it's about being there for your people that's right and so that's what i'm trying to emulate hmm. i feel like i'm in a management course <laughs> it's shit but it's my responsibility people picked up my name and started digging they did not because i was making them but because they wanted to because they wanted to and just like you and all your adopted children or whoever they are <laughs> if i don't stand up for them who can't yes it has to be me you're right you're right you are right mm. however the voice and the posture you don't need to do any of that especially not for the administrator and her all right little... all right that's fair i mean you already know her <laughs> maybe if i copy you i might be pissing her off <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean i know her but we're not exactly on the best of terms it's more of a uh, uneasy alliance at this point. <laughs> okay, I won't copy you, but can I ask you something? Of course. Anything. How did you decide what was the right thing to do? Uh, you know what, more than that, 
How did you decide that all of this was your responsibility? I don't think I ever made a conscious decision. It was just, it was just, I needed to do it. And so I did. And all I can do is think about what would be most true to me. And being most true to myself is protecting others and making sure that they're happy and making sure that they can reach their full potential. Mm. And I've been, I've been really questioning lately if I've been doing that, mm. if I've been making the right decisions. But it's really good to talk to you, Alacast, about all of this. She um, puts her arm over your shoulder and like pulls your head in towards her head, kind of headbutts you a little bit. <laughs> and she says, um, look at us, two shitty princesses. <laughs> no kingdom. <laughs> Kicking ass and being responsible. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm so happy to know you. Now, I want to meet these little monsters you've been telling me about. Auntie Alakas has a responsibility <gasps> to taste test some cheese scones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have to come to you have to come to dinner. I mean, of course you're coming to dinner. But has Alakar's not met them yet? No. <laughs> They're going to be so excited to meet an auntie. <laughs> I can't wait. You know what? The palace can wait. Let's go, let's go meet him now. Let's go right now. Karen, you've leveled up. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Tell me about being a level 12 barbarian. Okay, so I know that I had like a really nice um speech about <laughs> being a mentor and uh, making other people happy and all that kind of stuff. And like a, uh, maybe like a bit of a crisis of faith that Karen's been having. Yeah. Um, but I did take the tavern brawler feat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, you want to read that to me? I'm not super familiar with that feat. Your unarmed strikes deal D4 damage. Nice. You are proficient in unarmed strikes and improvised weapons. You can make a grapple as a bonus action after hitting with one and a plus one to either strength or con. So I did a plus one to constitution, so now it's a, uh, now it's an 18. Nice. So the, the unhittable woman. Yeah, that'll boost up your health a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. And now I can just, like, throw things around, and I'm proficient at doing that. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm really Thanks. excited to see how that gets on. <laughs> nice. And have you rolled your HP? Yes, I have. I'm now at 141 HP. Oof. So, oh, yeah. God. Good luck. I'm going to have to start throwing some big fireballs at you. <laughs> yeah, bring the T-Rex back and his <laughs> friends. I can take him. <laughs> Hello there, listener. It's me, your DM Penny D. Some messages and stuff, and then we'll be back into Smoko before you know it. Thank you very much to our Patreons for supporting the show. James Courtright, Samsara, Waffles loves you and hopes you have a good day. Claire McDonald, Jules Bergesser, Violet, Shubna Lee, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, Jesse Wesson, Disturbed1NZ, Andrew Evans, Luna Chris, William Evans, Steffi James is Awesome, and Danielle the Tea Lady, Lady of the Tea. Just so you know, there are some outtakes being uploaded alongside this episode, so please enjoy some bonus audio from us to you. If you're curious about bonus content or extra clips featuring backstage tomfoolery, you can support the show at patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast for a couple of bucks a month as we come into our final year of production. 
Music credits, thanks to Jeremy Blake for Abroad Again, Silent Partner for Get Back Up, Jemina Contreras for Golden Cage, Unicorn Heads for Hurt So Good Blues, Bail Bonds for I Feel It All So Deeply, King Canyon for Keep On Moving, Asher Falero for Lament of the Ancients, Track Tribe for Lawrence, No Indication and Top of the Morning, Mini Vandals for Over the Mountain and Slow Hammers, French Fuse for Rain Fuse, Nathan Moore for Read All Over, and Telecasted for The Last Goodbye. Some news, we now only have two arcs left to record and I am really excited to end the show strong and not make you wait too long. I'm currently expecting to be able to start our next arc which is called Our Last Hope in two weeks on February 4th. However, I currently have only one episode in the bank which means that if recording goes off schedule we may have an off week here and there. Please bear with us as we do our best to perform an epic conclusion to this series that we have loved and been working on for three years. Alright, that's enough from me. Let's get back to the episode. Frankie. That's me. How are you handling you know, the overlapping memories and the double <laughs> timeline and gone from being, you know, like the Emperor's favorite boy back to being Frankie. Oh, well, first of all, Frankie is definitely like combing his hair a bit more. <laughs> you know, looking after that appearance, taking just a little bit more like effort in his personal appearance. <laughs> He's also now questioning the role that his inventions are going to play in the future. Oh, yeah. And does he want, you know, his babies effectively to be used in such a negative way? Yeah. So that's something plaguing his mind at the moment. He doesn't want to be another Oppenheimer. You know? <laughs> okay. Frankie, you're at home. You're lying slumped over in the center of your living space and you're surrounded by the deconstructed warforged limbs that you took home from Zergos's lab. <laughs> you and your sisters are drawing up blueprints of how they work. Yours are precise, structured and careful. And your sister's efforts have a lot of blanks filled in with rainbows and stars and Aww. unicorns and stuff. <laughs> You're currently slumped over because you accidentally zapped yourself with the stun plate of, of one of the knees yeah. and you paralyzed yourself for about 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Your sisters are, have transitioned to joyfully drawing smudgy makeup on you <laughs> and they're declaring how pretty you'll be when, when they're done. Vibes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a knock at your door. And after a few moments, you know, you still got pins and needles, but you're able to, you're able to move again. Frankie slowly gets up and kind of limps over to the door to answer it. Roll me an insight check. Okay, insight. That is a four. <laughs> <laughs> Standing at the door, there's a delivery woman that you've never seen before. Mm. She looks like she might be wearing a fake nose, uh, but it's hard to tell because, you know, you're... you're, you're <laughs> Eyes are still tingly. Um, <laughs> she, she's, she smiles good-naturedly at you, and she hands you a, a cowboy hat with bull horns sticking out of it and, and hands you a clipboard and, and says, sign here. Frankie signs. <laughs> On the piece of paper, it's a note in handwriting that you recognize, and it says, take this somewhere private and speak my full name. Oh. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, Frankie takes it, uh, and he just tells the sisters, hey, I'm going to take a quick brain break. 
nobody touch anything. They're already touching everything. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll deal with that later. Uh, he uh, scuttles to his room really quickly. Okay, so you take it to your bedroom. Yes. And when you when you're in there, are you standing, seated? What it like? Where are you sitting it up? Frankie will just be sitting like at his desk. All right, and then what do you do? Frankie takes a deep breath, and then says the uh, says his full name, which is. No, <laughs> oh, that was oh, a hard oh, question. Oh, that is a hard question. Uh, what is Murphy's full name? It's Murphy McSoul. McSoul. That's right. Frankie says, in a confident yet, you know, slightly hushed voice, uh, Murphy McSoul. The hat hovers in the air, and then descending down from it, underneath of it, an image begins to like sketch itself. In the air. God, that's so uh, cool. It's the image of a red-skinned man with suspenders and his oh. sleeves rolled up, looking around at the place that you've chosen to bring him. Oh, I think this might be the first time I've seen your room. And it's 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 a mess. Well, not like dirty mess, but like you know, there's piles of books everywhere and there's notes and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm not surprised by all of this. <laughs> How many of these books have you read? Uh, all of them. Wow. Why would you have books if you haven't read them? <laughs> Just tell them, obvious, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and hey, look at that! You got all made up for me. Your artistic vision could use a little refinement. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly learning this this whole fashion thing. Uh, and he, he picks up a, a book like Fashion for Dummies uh, <laughs> that he's started reading to just, just get a few pointers, but it's it's just not connecting. You catch yourself in, in a, like a shard of glass that you use for your mirror and you realize that he's having a giggle about the makeup that your sisters drew on you. Oh! <laughs> about that. I was paralyzed. They took advantage. Oh. Hey, I can't tell you where I am now, but I've got a good gig going on and I'm pretty sure that we'll bump into each other sooner or later. I just, I felt kind of bad about the content of our last goodbye. I I wanted a do-over. That's fair enough. And, you know, I've been, been doing some thinking too about, you know, our relationship, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know we're we're pretty cool, right? We're, we're we're happy with this this professional thing we have going on, right? Do you remember uh, a while back you uh, you made some glasses and you sold them to me? Yeah. Well, I passed them off as Elven Mystical Tech, and no one caught me. I made like a hundred times what I paid you for them. Okay. What are they going to do? Report me to the guard? Thing will be shut in a case somewhere in some rich guy's house. Who cares? That's right. Yeah. Why am I telling you this? Because we're good friends. It's because you're so smart, but you're so stupid. Oh. <laughs> you are literally the best at something, and you're so unsure of yourself, you can't even see it. How good would you be if you actually backed yourself, huh? I have seen that. Oh. Can I can I still do the rest of my I gotta I gotta yes, think. Yes, I, yes, okay, yes, that's cool. Yes, I'm, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm glad. So I guess we are in agreement then. Yes. Look, the whole damn world and probably all the planes too, wouldn't know, never been, is chock full of stupid, foolish bastards trying to shape <laughs> the world to be the way that they want it. 
and they want it some stupid foolish bastard way that they get theirs and people get hurt and the next damn idiot takes it and runs with it makes it worse yeah rinse and repeat yeah if we had had this conversation months ago i would have probably told you that you're being silly and cynical but after seeing what i've seen you're right no matter what there's always going to be somebody else rising up there's always somebody else who's going to take advantage of various gifts that we've got uh, that we've given that we've created and they're always going to there's always a risk that it's going to be used to hurt people rather than to help people that's right uh, but i'll tell you what the world is also full of brainiacs smart guys and gals who are so aware that there's all this stuff that they don't know that they take a step back and they wait for permission they're so unsure of every single fact that they hesitate and they leave this gap at the top that gets filled by those bastards i was telling you about yeah those bastards who don't wait for permission to mess the world up yeah so let me ask you francis <laughs> would you rather live in a world shaped by bastards or one shaped by brainiacs definitely the brainiacs <laughs> well there you go my friend get behind yourself stop being so damn polite and take charge of what happens next oh god i believe in you why don't you Frankie's just dumbfounded but he's like hey i think i think there's somebody have to i have to go see hell yeah murphy stands and he puts his hand on the peak of the cowboy hat, kind of like tipping it to you. So go out there, see that person and be you, the best you, the Frankie that trusts himself. And for fuck's sake, go and talk to Idafer about his feelings before that guy goes full on villain. Okay, <laughs> I will right now. Blue light. I'm really glad that I know you. You and your stupid, bossy, vain friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. You guys changed everything for me. <laughs> You're a real good person, Murphy. You and your honest goods. <laughs> nice. I'll see you around, if you know what I'm talking about. I do. He does not. <laughs> uh, he takes the hat off, and the image just vanishes. That is so cool. The hat sits there, suspended in the air for a second, and then it starts to sort of shred itself and sort of float away. Murphy must have really dropped some money on the ability to tell off his ex for a few minutes. Frankie's going to just, like, take a quick, like, mental snapshot of that whole thing. Because he'd like to recreate it. But there's something more important he has to do right now. <laughs> okay. Frankie. Mm -hmm. You've leveled up. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, yay! Tell me about Artificer Level 12. So, like everyone else, it's either uh, ability or improvement or feat. I was tossing up between increasing my constitution to 20 so I could have two, uh, you know, skills at uh, 20. But then I decided, nah, let's, let's have a little fun with the feat. <laughs> cool. So, and then, of course, because me being me, I couldn't pick which one i was kind of going for alert to go you know more towards the paranoid frankie uh always needing you know not being surprised but also i didn't want 
always go first. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, or I was going to go like Warcaster or Sharpshooter uh, so that I can uh, ignore cover, um, which that's that's sort of what I picked. So I picked a Sharpshooter. Wow. Okay. And so what does Sharpshooter do? Let you ignore cover? Yep. So attacking at long range doesn't impose disadvantage on your ranged weapon attack rolls. Oh. And your ranged weapon attacks ignore half cover and three quarters cover. Before you make an attack with a ranged weapon that you're proficient with, you can choose to take a negative five penalty to the attack roll and add plus 10 to your attack's damage. Nice. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm going to think about like how, what that looks like in terms of Frankie's like inventions. Yeah. Is it like a, a, like a little, you know, like eye lens kind of thing that you've got or like, what does it look uh, like in terms of like, what did you build to get this extra, you know, extra proficiency? Okay. So I would like to say that I take my inspiration from Usopp uh, and his goggles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so while Frankie has his, like his usual goggles that he wears, there's just like a separate sort of lens that he flicks down that kind of adds like a really cool like crosshairs to help oh. like awesome. you know like oh yes the target is five thousand yards away i don't i don't know but like it looks really pretty cool and there's a heads-up display and it just it just looks really sick that sounds really cool. I'm going to be looking forward to getting Liv to draw that for us. Oh, God. That yeah. is, yes, yes. That does, that does sound really, really cool and awesome, but also I'm thinking of the Dragon Ball Z one a lot. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> one Piece is the superior anime. It's called a scouter in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Tell me about how you have dealt with the overlapping memories that come with the doubled up timeline. You know, you put everything back to normal and you can remember the last 18 months two different ways. So Otto was actually kind of keen to get fired because now he just wants to be a vigilante. He um, knows he's this like in his other life who was a spy he did all these really cool spy things and he just wants to do that in his now life he, he wants to be that cool roguish vigilante that goes out and takes down people who do bad in the days that follow the wish idafer is restless oh yeah things are too quiet going back to work is an exercise in frustration when you have memories of being the city's most glamorous spy slash supermodel and you're so relieved when you get this letter from the palace beseeching Mr. Sourpout for his wisdom. Me. Do you go? Oh, 100% yes. Yeah. I like, I've barely opened the letter and read it when I'm like on my way, even though there's clearly a date that says, can you come on Saturday? And it's a weird feeling, right? You walk to the palace, something that you've done many times and yet only a few times before. You arrive and you just walk in. The big iron doors aren't locked. And it's now second nature to you to know your way around the Imperial Palace. Hell yeah. Idafer, roll me perception. Oh, right. 26. Okay. <laughs> Ido, you walk through the empty entrance hall, through the gallery, and as you hit the entrance to the disused throne room, your spy senses catch a small, almost invisible movement in the shadows above. The assassin is about to jump down at you. <laughs> I'm gonna just really coolly say, I know you're there. 
you hear a giggle from above you and then she drops bringing her sword down at your head but you easily and gracefully dodge out of the way like almost just a step to the side she grins a bloodthirsty smile and takes a fighting stance awesome yeah. <laughs> Ida's mildly turned on oh. <laughs> she's like the one that was in a dress right like in the fit like we yeah. met her yeah yeah <laughs> She's wearing her, like, dark leather belts, like, assassin, get get up now. Jesus. Roll insight. Okay. Um, insight is, uh, 11. She charges at you, using the shadows in the room to teleport around, but each time your blades clash with each other, it's softer than you expect. This is more like play than combat. Are you going easy on me? She laughs, and she says, no, take this seriously or I'll kill you. And Idafa, you realize that the assassin just likes you, but she doesn't know how to express it healthily. So bullying you is like the only option that she understands. What is this, a playground? She walks out of the shadows and just looks at you for a minute. Um, And she sheds her sword, just trying to stay sharp. (laughs) Trust me, you're, you're sharp. Anyway, why why did I need to come here, sir? I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't really read the letter. I just <laughs> saw that I needed to be here. The young master wanted to ask you something. Oh, sweet. Where is he? I was just checking that you're really you. You know. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Speaking of actually, sorry, out of character. Do the angels have the double memories too, or just you four? Okay, sweet. Gotcha. Um, why do you ask? Oh, just curious. <laughs> <laughs> No she spins and like sweeps her, you know, cool, dark, you know, shadow cloak behind her and leads you up a bunch of stairs to a tower window that the armor is waiting patiently next to. You look out the window and you can see that Silver is sitting on the roof on the tiles, just looking out over the city, hugging his knees, watching the sunset. Don't hurt him or I'll kill you. Okay. Cool. Anyway, he's... <laughs> I can, you know. I can kill you whenever I want. Oh, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Cool. Weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, Otto saunters over to the young emperor. Wait, he is the emperor now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, like... you climb out the window and you, like, walk lightly across the tiles and to where he's sitting. How are you doing, bud? Um, yeah, okay, I guess. I, I hope it's okay. I want to... I wanted to ask you something about your life. You're the only one that the aunties don't know where you came from. Oh. Yeah, I'll be honest, me neither. I'm I'm just kind of here. I've got parents. They're not my real parents, but they're really awesome. So that's cool. Will you sit with me? Oh, yeah, sure. Can we can we say he's got like tiny chairs, you know, like kid chairs? Yeah, yeah, real little ones. He just <laughs> my knees up on the are just tiles. like up by my face. Sorry, I didn't think about bringing. No, up no, your chair. it's okay. It's okay. Did you um, did you grow up here in the city? Um, as far as I can remember, yeah. What about before that? It all gets a bit blurry. Before I was about five years old, so yeah. That's I, fair. Yeah, I don't remember much from when I was that young either. And he's watching as some birds fly overhead in like a V formation. Oh, cool. Where do you think they're going? Probably wherever it's warm. You know, I went to the park once with my dad. And we went and we sat on the grass 
and we fed the ducks. I sure hope you were using lettuce and not bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were feeding them grain and Good. chopped up grapes. Perfect. I really loved it. It was... It's the best memory that I have of him. Away from this place, relaxed and just enjoying a moment. There were no expectations on him. He was even kind of funny. And we were probably there at the park for like an hour, just sitting and talking and watching the birds gobble up the the food that we had for them. How old were you? I think I was seven. Oh, nice. And on the way home, I asked him if we could go again. He looked up from the scroll that he was reading, and he looked right at me and he said, I'm a busy man, son. I don't have time for birds. And he said the same thing every time I asked him. I was welcome to sit and watch him meet with dignitaries and make tax laws. But now that I think about it, I don't think that he ever got that it wasn't about the birds. How does it make you feel to not know where you came from? (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's unpack this, shall we? I... It's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. If I ever end up just lamenting on it, I spiral. So I try not to. Because I remember that my current life is great. I have friends and my adoptive mother and father love me. I have a cat. I can turn into cats, by the way. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I wish I could turn into a cat. Oh, I'm sure we could figure it out for you. But yeah, no, I, I just don't think about it. When my dad took me to the park... Demi was there. I mean, Mora was there and Sassy was there, but they had to be there. That was their job. I don't know why Demi was there, but she was. And I guess she heard me say I wanted to go again or whatever because from the side, the other side of him that you can't see, he pulls out that book, that memory book that you've seen. Oh, yes. And he opens it and there's page after page of a younger Silver and a woman that you don't recognize sitting next to a pond and he talks and she listens and smiles and sometimes she talks and he listens and together they feed the ducks there's something really special in the fact that people love you when they don't have to when it's not part of some contract we're born into without ever signing I don't know why I have to be the emperor I was kind of like, I haven't had a conversation like this with a child before. Um, Here's the thing, dude. Like, you get dealt the hand that you get dealt, right? You just deal with it. And then when it comes to... I have to admit, I don't agree with you. You don't have to... Like, family... It's what you make it. You know, your actual, like, blood relatives aren't necessarily going to be the people that love you most or care for you most or that you like hanging out with. So you just got to find the people. Thanks, man. It's cool, dude. I, I hope you don't mind. I wanted to talk to you because my aunties don't understand. 
I wanted to talk to someone with, and please don't take this the wrong way, no roots to hold you down. Because for me, I have to live by myself in this castle, and I can't have friends, and people are going to try to kill me. I was born having a job. Yeah, that's kind of rough. And I don't like what that means for tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. What's it like to be able to be whoever you want? <laughs> uh, well, within reason, but it's great and terrifying. It's just, mm, how do I explain it? It's great being able to do what I want, but terrifying because I can do what I want. There's so much choice. And, well, I don't want to get anyone else hurt either. And the choices I've made have kind of done that, which isn't ideal. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, <laughs> I suppose. That That kind of makes me feel better. I hope so. Like... The thing is, I'm not trying to flaunt a life of freedom to you, because ultimately your lifestyle comes with perks as well, I'm sure. And, well, you know, I think me and my pals that you've hung out with, like, we see you as a genuine friend, and we'll be there for you. And you've got your aunties, and they'll always be there for you. So you've definitely got some good things going on. Hey, like looks at you for the longest time. I start to wonder if I have something on my face. <laughs> he like wipes his nose a little bit. <laughs> and then he does something you've never seen him do before. He opens the book to a blank page and he sits there for a moment with his eyes closed. And then the picture of you and him sitting on the roof together appears on the page. Aww. And it's got the sunset, and it's it's a you can tell from the way that it's depicted that it's a nice memory. Oh. Can I just lean in and give him a hug? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And he sort of leans into it a little bit, and then from the window, you hear the armor call Silver in for his dinner. Oh. And Silver puts his book, you know, closes his book, and puts it under his arm, and he says, "Thanks for talking to me. I hope." that you get to go everywhere you want. Thanks, man. And honestly, if you ever want to, like, come along for a little adventure, we'll make it a safe one. Just let us know. I know you've got duties here, but surely your aunties can take care of it for a little while. And I, like, wink at the... Um, <laughs> who is it? The armor that's standing with him? Yeah. She's, like, a few paces away. She can't hear you, um, but she's just waiting at the window. <laughs> just like, why did he wink at me? She's quite big. So if she was out here on the roof, she'd probably, you know, like break the tiles and stuff. <laughs> oh, gosh. He smiles uh, and he looks up at you and he says, I'm going to take you up on that one day. Oh, good. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Honestly, it's going to be so much fun. We once met dinosaurs. Do you know what dinosaurs are? Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> Speaking of, what's for dinner? Maybe I could join you. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. I think we can. I think we can make some space. Nice. Yeah! Friendship! 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 Idafa, you've leveled up. Woo! Yay! 
Arthur, tell me about your level 12. So I've just gone rogue again, as I've, I'm pretty sure I've said before, I'm just keeping my druid at two, so I have that kind of flexibility for changing to animals. Nice. With my rogue, I just got an ability upgrade. I could have gone feet, but I always get analysis paralysis with feats, <laughs> and I always forget to use them. So yeah. I'm just, I just improved my decks. So I've just gone up a point or oh, two points in decks. So my modifier is now plus four, which is nice. Woo! Wow, well done. That's Ooh. cool. Also, I only said it to Nathan, but I'll I'll tell the rest of you as well. All of your amulet weapons have now increased to plus two weapons, which means that um they go from being plus one to hit to plus two, and from plus one to your damage to plus two. Lovely. So please make those adjustments to any amulet weapons you have. I know some of you have got two weapons, and some of you are dual wielders and stuff, but this seems like the fairest way is just across the board. Your amulets mm. are just stronger. Awesome. The repaired timeline settles, and although many problems have returned, many others are fixed, and some are simply different. In Ymir City, the economy does not even notice the magical disturbance of the timeline and churns forever onward, with the single purpose of making a line go up. Janison Breffords works late in his office, writing on parchment to arrange to make more parchment. In the palace, the administrator rubs her temples in an attempt to release a migraine brought on by 40 hours of non-stop work. Hmm. In Karen's home, Barrington packs his bag, ready to return to the hives, to the mines. He carefully packs a raisin brownie for the trip, made by his son, <laughs> especially for him. Raisin? He likes it. He likes it. He's old. He likes his child. That's good. <laughs> In the Onagon's external pool house, Welby does a big yawn and stretches his wings before returning to chewing the buttons off of his dad's best shirt. Aww. This too is important work that must be done. That's <laughs> true. In the Reynolds shack, three little girls teach each other whispered physics from one of Frankie's discarded books, while a drunk old man pretends to be asleep but listens in confusion and admiration that he does not know how to express. In the Balsa household, Adina sits quietly in her chair in front of the fireplace, stitching Idafa's jumpsuit. Aww. She sheds a tear as she looks up at the new painting that hangs above the fireplace, a cute grey baby staring wide-eyed at a butterfly. Across from her, Bolo sleeps in his chair, getting ever closer to disturbing the cat on his lap as he slouches. <laughs> All across Yamiasa, despite the setting sun, citizens continue to work, to stifle yawns, to push themselves a little harder, a little further, for the promise of more coin, not valuing the day wasted in service of someone else. A heavy breath wheezes, filling the otherwise silent in-room with struggle. A bead of sweat hits the floor with a plink. A wooden chair creaks as Master Speck settles into it, exhausted, elbows resting on his knees. He looks up, first at the shrouded figure under the dark cloak, standing perfectly and humanly still in the center of the rug. Its features, as always, are obscured by magical darkness. <gasps> Speck stares unblinking, catching his breath 
before turning his perfect, unblemished, beautiful elven face to the four other occupants of the room. One stoic, one slumped, one fidgeting, one dapper. I've put all I can into him. There's nothing else to be gained from here. Speck tries to hover out of his chair, but barely makes it up before he falls back down into the seat. He reaches a palm towards a glass of water, but instead of levitating, it tips, spilling its contents onto the tablecloth. One of the four moves to help, but he raises a finger. It doesn't matter. Go pack your things. Tonight, we leave the city for the last time. The four exit the room, leaving Master Speck alone with the shrouded figure. He pants desperately, fishing an L-shaped tube from his robe and breathing deeply through it. He exhales a blue, sparkling vapor, staring out the window of the Ymir City Inn, looking north. He mutters only one word to himself. Soon. Ready yourselves, friends, for there is only one story left to tell. It is the same story we've been telling all this time. The story of how five ordinary people changed the world. The Chiron incident that will forever mark history times as a major turning point for Matt Zimler that will be talked about in Ymir City and beyond for centuries is only weeks from occurring. The players of this moment are falling into position and now all that is left is to complete one last journey. <laughs>